Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. There's desperation and anguish. More than 80,000 Afghans have since arrived in America. But this story is still unfolding. I'm Andrea Smartin. In my new podcast, Stranger Becomes Neighbor, we'll find out what happens to these new arrivals in our communities. Who would help our newest neighbors? Follow us at kslpodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. Inside Sources with Boyd Matheson. Well, it's no secret that the progressive wing of the Democratic Party is none too happy with Senator Joe Manchin from West Virginia. Uh, We've been covering uh, his opposition to a lot of the Build Back Better bill and uh, and some others as well. Voting Rights Act, filibuster uh, in the Senate. uh, And there, there are a lot of conservative critics who have argued back that, well, what did you expect from a Democratic senator in a very, very red state? Uh, And I just remind everyone that uh, then-President Trump won West Virginia by 39 points. That is a very, very red state. Uh, Senator Manchin has always been in that space, uh, being in the moderate wing of the Democratic Party. Uh, but there is some who say, well, wait a minute, progressives have a point. Uh, and, you know, could Senator Manchin be communicating better or more specifically with his party? We know there's been back and forth with the White House and, and the president, although both today uh, continue to say they are friends and they will continue to work together uh, despite this current hiccup. So I want to go in just a little bit to some of our conversations with the Washington Post uh, talking about this. First, I want to go to Henry Olson, who we had on the show And he was saying that, look, uh, everyone should know who Joe Manchin is. He has not changed. He will not sell out uh, just because the Democratic Party wants him to or because the the president wants him to. Uh, He has a core. He has a set of principles. Uh, Listen to what Henry Olson had to say. They keep expecting that he's going to knuckle under and basically uh, do a favor for the party or do a solid for the party, as they said. And Manchin has been saying all year he's not going to do that. And in fact, he brought that up. People mentioned that in one of the interviews that he's done. And he said, look, this isn't the best job that I've ever had. I'm not going to sell my soul over it. And if they want me to leave the Democratic caucus, I guess I'll have to follow their wishes. He's clearly signaling that he's not going to simply go along and get along with his party majority. And he's now been fighting increasingly publicly for over a year. And at some point, you'd think people would get the message and take him seriously. So interesting perspective. Again, that's from Henry Olson from The Washington Post. And uh, we'll we'll dig back into There was a lot of content in there in terms of who he is, what he will sell his soul out for, uh, what he won't do just because the party asks him to, even though they pressure him, which works for a lot of folks. I love the fact that he says, this isn't the best job I've ever had. Uh, this is not the top of my career. Uh, he has other things to do, so he's not worried about any of that. Now, let's take the other side for a minute. Let's let's look to the progressive wing of the Democratic Party, and we're going to go back to another one of our colleagues at the Washington Post, uh, opinion columnist Greg Sargent. Uh, he sat down with Inside Sources last week to talk about how progressives feel about Joe Manchin and feel like he's sort of moving the goalposts a lot when it comes to this specific piece of, a, of legislation on the Build Back Better. People are genuinely flummoxed. The people I talk to on the Hill really at this point cannot figure out how to make him happy. I think that's a pretty distressing state of affairs if you want to see Build Back Better pass. 
it's not clear to me what it is he wants or how to win his support. Because if you recall, the reason that the the expanded child tax credit is in the bill of the year, one of the reasons anyway, is to satisfy Manchin's concerns about costs. And now the bill has the child tax credit in there at one year, and and this has become a source of objection. So it's a little hard to keep track of what he wants since things are done to please him, and then they turn out to be reasons he objects later. All right. So uh, continuing the conversation with Greg Sargent, again, very interesting. uh, Two different folks from The Washington Post looking at this from very different angles, which is what we love to do on this program uh, because it gives you perspective. And we have to stay curious. So we have to say and ask, okay, why are progressives so frustrated with Joe Manchin? And then we have to ask, why should people not be surprised by what they're getting out of Joe Manchin? And we need to figure all of that out. So continuing with with George, uh, excuse me, with Greg Sargent, uh, he believes that moderate Democrat senators obviously have been supporting the party's agenda, uh, but that it's Senator Manchin is the one who's just being dug in and not being willing to move. A lot of seasoned observers believe that it's not just Manchin, that there are a fair amount or maybe a few or more than a few moderate senators who, A, don't want to end the filibuster, and B, maybe aren't quite there on Build Back Better. I still tend to think that at the end of the day, Manchin is the ultimate obstacle on either one of these fronts. If he were willing to end the filibuster to pass voting rights and democracy protections, I think all 50 Democratic senators would be there. If he were willing to support Build Back Better, I think all 50 Democrats would be there, including cinema, by the way, on both these things. Although on the filibuster, it's a little hard to tell. But I still tend to think that ultimately it really comes down to Manchin. All right. So... There's a case from both sides in terms of uh, what is or isn't happening. I think it's very important to to recognize uh, both sides of that and to say, okay, well, the progressives are just frustrated. They feel like the goalposts are constantly being moved. Uh, And obviously that would be frustrating uh, if that felt like that was the case. And then, of course, Joe Manchin is saying, look, I've, I've been straight up all along on this in terms of where my problems are, uh, and I'm not going to sell out just because – uh, the president or the party bosses uh, are putting pressure on uh, this. Uh, his statement, this is not the best job I will ever have. Uh, and that's an important concept for us to wrap our heads around. The people who can do the most in our nation's capital uh, are those uh, who are not afraid of losing. Uh, and, I, and I have always said that I think the most important question that someone should ask themselves before casting a vote for anyone at any level, whether it's your city council or school board, whether it's a governor's race or a congressional race, a Senate race, a presidential race. The most important question to me you should ask yourself is how will this person make a difference and contribute to society if they lose? Think about that. Think about that. Because if you can't immediately identify and say, oh, yeah, Senator Joe Manchin would go off and he would do this or he would start this foundation, he'd do this volunteer work, he would go back to West Virginia as a business person and contribute this way. If you're stuck, if you if you think, oh, my gosh, this is the best job this person could ever have, I'd be careful about casting a vote for that person. Because think about it. If it's the best job they've ever had, that means the moment they get it, 
They have to spend all of their time keeping it. And when you're totally focused on keeping the current job in politics or getting the next rung up the ladder, every decision you make will be based on holding on to power. That's not good governance. You do not make your best decisions and choices when you are in a defensive thing, when you're just trying to hold a position, hold on to that job. Everything will be poll tested, consultant certified, and you end up with what we now have in the United States Congress. People who are far more worried about winning re-election than they are about making tough decisions. Uh, I think it was Adelaide Stevenson who said, you know, we face big decisions, not easy decisions, but that's what we elect people to do. And, and so I think the fact that Joe Manchin is saying, look, this is not the best job I'm ever going to have. It's actually really frustrating. And there's a whole lot of other ways I can contribute and make a difference in the world. I actually think that's an important message. And as we roll into 2022, you're going to hear me come back to that question often. And again, whether it's a local race or a federal race, just imagine to yourself, how will this person make a difference? How will they contribute? If they're not in office and if you can't think of a way they're going to do that, I'm not sure that's the person you want to cast your vote for. Because if all they're doing is trying to hold on and maintain power, that's not a good formula for profiles and courage. It's actually a bad formula for a lot of cowardice and a lot of cronyism. And we got to get past it. I'm Boyd Matheson. That wraps up hour number one of Inside Sources here on KSL News Radio today. Stay with us. Hour number two is coming up. Bernie Sanders is the latest to have a little spat with Joe Manchin. Uh, some really interesting perspective. We're going to keep breaking it down. Live breaking news now on the mobile app for KSL News Radio. Sponsored by Any Hour Services. Listen at home or anywhere you go. KSL FM Midvale, KSL Salt Lake City. This is Utah's news station. Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear-gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen.